Alright, creatures of the night, welcome to episode 99 of Talking Taker, our encyclopedic exploration digging up the career of the greatest professional wrestling character of all time. My name is Alex Dorio, and I can't believe we are joining you for yet another round of Dead Man Talking as we discuss the legacy of The Undertaker as we bury the Biker Taker character right here, folks. I am joined, as always, by my tag team partner, my wrestling buddy, my one true ride or die, Mr. Travis White. Travis... I want to get to burying the biker taker, talking about his legacy, talking about Survivor Series 2003. But first, I gotta tell you about this dream I had last night, man. Okay. <laughs> I had this, yeah. I had this dream. I, it's so weird. I, I feel like I dreamed that Vince McMahon cut a promo on one of these episodes of SmackDown that was literally about himself crapping the bed. That, that sounds like a nightmare, my friend. <laughs> it was. Oh, did you pinch yourself? I did, and then it was still happening. Oh, man. Well, uh, I hate to break this news to you, but that was actually not a dream. That was actually reality. <laughs> That's real life? It actually happened. Yeah, oh, we'll cover God. that here soon. I cannot believe that. And what comes after the dream? Oh, if only we were dreaming. Tell me I was dreaming, yeah, folks, and the immortal words of Travis Tritt. But we're not. This is real life. Wake up, folks. We're talking about Survivor Series 2003. Uh, again, this is not a dream. Buried alive between Vince McMahon and The Undertaker. That is the match yes, that closes out this iconic, legendary run of The Undertaker's career as the biker, as the American badass, whatever you want to call it, big evil, all that stuff. Travis, it's flown by. Are you excited to be ending it? Are you sad to be ending it? What are your initial feelings before we jump into covering this match? Uh, when we first started into the Biker Taker era, you know, we talked about how we weren't really huge fans of it back then, but I'm, I'm going to miss this guy. As we've gone through it with a fine-tooth comb, I've really come to appreciate it, um, appreciate some of the other stuff. Um, that he did and a lot of the matches that he had. Um, I'm going to miss it, but I am ready for the return of the dead man because uh, the one that comes back is a kind of a hybrid between the old dead man and, and this uh, American Mr. Dr. Evil. <laughs> Dr. Evil. <laughs> Dr. Evil. <laughs> I didn't see any of that, didn't it? No, I meant big evil. I, oh, I said okay. doctor. And I, <laughs> yeah. Slip of the tongue. <laughs> Well, we're going to make the most of this one last evening we get to spend with Big Evil, Big Dr. Evil, <laughs> whatever you want to say here. We're going to cover the end. We're going to try to hit some notes and, and scraps and stuff we might have missed during this run. We're going to run through some facts and figures about this run. And then to close it out tonight, you and I are going to do what we did for the end of that original Dead Man run uh, back yeah. about 30-some-odd episodes ago. We're going to go through our individual top 10 matches of this run from 2000 to 2003. Uh, you and I have not discussed it at all. We have not nope. shown each other our lists at all. So we're going to reveal those to each other live on the podcast. And then you guys out there, our listeners, uh, we'll put a poll up so you can vote on your top 10. And we'll also let you vote will, on Will there be a chain in the 10. poll? Uh, always, yeah. Biker <laughs> okay. chain hanging 20 feet over the pole. The <laughs> oldest form of competition known to man. Combat. 
fantastic. Looking forward to that poll. That's the only way to do it. But <laughs> we've got just enough gas left in the time travel motorcycle to travel back one last time to October of 2003. So let's jump in the sidecar and head back there. Uh, 102303, the SmackDown After No Mercy, 2000, or uh, SmackDown episode 218. Of course, as we just mentioned, Brock Lesnar won that biker chain on a pole match against The Undertaker to retain his title with a lot of help from Vince McMahon. And uh, folks, you may be surprised listening out there. That was the main event of that pay per view, but. If you thought SmackDown opened with a recap of the main event of that pay-per-view, the WWE Championship match, well, (laughs) you haven't been listening to this show very much because (laughs) it instead opens with a recap of what else? The McMahon Show. Exactly. (laughs) No trampolines. Sadly, no trampolines. Just (laughs) Vince choking out his daughter and his wife (laughs) having to throw in the towel. (laughs) Oh, yeah. That's it. Yeah, it. There's literally no mention or clip of the WWE Championship match in this opening to SmackDown. It's ridiculous. Yeah, and the star of the show, Mr. McMahon, opens the show with none other than his true main juggy Sable uh, <laughs> bouncing out to the ring. And uh, Vince does at least claim that he knows what we, you and I both know, Travis. That when he leaves this world, he's going straight to hell in a handbasket. That's how he opens yep. his promo. And I think we can both agree with that. Yeah, we could all confirm that it's probably happening. <laughs> we're all clear here. Well, uh, and if we're not clear there, we're going to get clear by the build. We're into this build to Survivor Series. Oh, yeah, 100%. Vince is just full-on Vince mode here. Vince going to Vince in this promo. He's talking about he didn't spoil the child last night, and he sure didn't spare the rod either as he leers at Sable. (laughs) uh, He's gloating about his two victories last night, getting Stephanie out as general manager and then helping Brock retain his title and putting himself over that Brock needed his help and taking credit for turning out the lights and bringing out the FBI and pushing Taker off the ropes. And then quote something that I think is probably inscribed on the walls above his office somewhere in a frame, but beside like the T-Rex head that's in his office, a uh, mm. inspirational quote, if you will, as he says, And the one thing Undertaker learned is you don't cross the boss. You don't, you don't give grief to the head chief. Wait a minute, wait a minute. But you do have sex with a man who signs your checks. Oh yeah, I'm on fire tonight. As he looks again at his <laughs> juggy sable. Gross. Oh my. <laughs> who again, in real life, left the company and then sued them for sexual harassment. Now she is back and is only being per- uh, portraying a the object of all of his sexual harassment <laughs> on television. Oh. It's really, really incredible that Vincent Man has not gotten caught up in any of the Me Too era <laughs> stuff. Like, it's legitimately <laughs> incredible when it's right there. On television, um, that motto from the Harvey Weinstein School of Business, right there. Oh, like, it's it's incredible. This man is, yeah. uh, he's amazing. He's a je- <laughs> he's a Sith Lord. He's a he Jedi really mind trickery. Uh, well, speaking of a mind trick, what's about to happen is pretty wild because 
In yeah. November of 2003, we get a very timely moment as Vince McMahon, now with Stephanie McMahon out of the picture, introduces the new general manager of SmackDown, none other than Paul Heyman here. And <laughs> the more things change, man. Yeah. I thought you were going to say Eric Bischoff. No, yeah, it's funny because, yeah, I noted the same thing. I was just like, how weird is that? It is 16 years ago, and here we are, and, you know, Heyman's, you know, been exiled as, or been hired as the executive producer of Raw for, for real. So just how weird. And we're going to find some other interesting things like that that kind of parallel today's world it's very crazy yeah this episode is actually full of them weirdly enough and yeah uh, one of them i guess is the undertaker because he's still showing up on raw in 2019 and yeah he pops out as soon as Heyman starts talking the dead man interrupts him and vince and sable flee out of the crowd uh because undertaker's coming after them and Heyman, he's he's in full-on Heyman. he's the same Heyman we've always seen here he's backing off from taker and begging and, and pleading with him here saying no whoa, whoa, don't don't beat me up i'm the only hope that you've got uh Heyman says he's the only one that has the power to deliver what undertaker is hoping for and that's a chance at revenge so tonight he wants to book undertaker give him what he wants undertaker versus brock lesnar give me what i want give me what i want give me what i want no, that's Batista. That's Batista. Oh, sorry, no, sorry, sorry, sorry. You can see where you'd be confused there. Yeah, sorry. Uh, but a roided up meathead. <laughs> not just Brock Lesnar, also the Big Show. As oh, Heyman gets a ton of heel heat for that. No, no one wants that. <laughs> but Heyman does say, look, I'm giving you this handicap match, but if you're able to win, he will allow Undertaker to name any match he wants. Any match, any time, any date, any place, any opponent all that stuff. And Heyman's like buttering him up, saying, the odds may be stacked against you, but I have every faith in you after your 13 years of dominance. So, again, putting over the legendary nature of Taker. Taker's not having any of that. He swipes the mic. Uh, he says, Heyman being in that ring is like somebody taking a huge crap in my yard. <laughs> huge craps are going to be a big theme of this build-up, apparently. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and Taker promises that Heyman's plan is going to blow up in his face, that somehow he's going to win, he's going to get his revenge, and nobody knows how sick, how twisted, how maniacal he can be. And he storms off, and as he walks away, Travis, I uh, just want to point out that it does seem like Undertaker's hair is getting a bit longer here. I don't know if you noticed that, picked up on that here. Oh, yeah, I've noticed in the last couple yeah. weeks, and it's been getting a little bit longer. Like, he's already, you know, I don't know what the long-term plan here was for him to come back as dead man, but he's definitely grown it out a little bit, and I uh, definitely noticed that, more especially here. So Another thing I noticed is how weird it is that this match Heyman book could literally happen today <laughs> big show brought lesnar and the undertaker all still wrestle for the company how this is insane insane don't give me any ideas for the next saudi show dude you know that's <laughs> the next saudi show oh, jesus <laughs> oh, please no <laughs> well later on in the night we see vince man in the skybox with sable and it's basically they just cut to him and he's on the mic saying, Hi guys, it's me here, Vince in the Skybox. That's the whole segment as he waves to the crowd and they cut to commercial. Uh, they do come back to him though, and he's dancing because Too Cool has reunited in the ring, and so Vince is doing his Too Cool dancing in the Skybox when Big Evil busts into the party. He 
gets in Vince's face. He says Vince has done enough talking, and now his turn. And Undertaker just goes off on Vince here. Just cuts a very intense promo on him, saying, Mm -hmm. Vince, you think you're a big man, but you've really just humiliated your your daughter and your wife. He tells him he's not a big man. He's a pathetic, gutless coward. Hell, if you were such a big man, you wouldn't have to pay that slut Sable to sleep with you. Whew. Oh man! Oh, well, Hoochie. <laughs> uh, Taker says Vince should pray that he does not win his match tonight because if he does, he's gonna come right back up here and there won't be any talking. And man, that put the fear of God in Vince, and it put the fear of God in me. Man, just watching this promo, dude. Yeah, I'm he not was like gonna an cross angry father, Taker. Man. Oh yeah, <laughs> scaring you away. Oh, and Good uh, stuff. Speaking of angry fathers, on a sad note, uh, we do see on this episode of SmackDown that it was a rough week for the wrestling business as Stu Hart uh, passed away this week. We get a tribute package to him. And then also Road Warrior Hawk passed away this week back in 2003. And uh, we talked a little bit about the Road Warriors. They had some brief run-ins with Taker in 97, teaming up with him. Uh, Stu Hart, obviously not too much, but of course his family all did, but... Obviously, two yeah. legends right there. Just wanted to mention that as far as the timeline of what we're talking about. Uh, and then we get to the main event. Uh, we see Brock and Big Show talking a little bit backstage. Uh, but we see the main event. It's a handicap match. Lesnar and Show are hanging tough with Taker. But Taker's just got that extra little spring in his step. He's flying after these guys. He wants to get that any, any match that he chooses stipulation. And... Uh, he's doing what he can to beat him. Lesnar and Show take over, though. They end up going for a spike pile driver here yeah. with Big Show coming off the top rope. But Taker back body drops Lesnar and then reaches up to Show on the top rope and choke slams him down into the ring to get the pin and defeat the two top heels in a, two, in a handicap match right here. Yeah, it's crazy. The two top champs, singles champions. I mean, it's he single-handedly defeats the U.S. champ and the world champ. <laughs> this is nuts. Clean. Yeah. Oh, but it's not over. Oh. Uh, because, you know, there's still 20 minutes left of SmackDown here. And so, <laughs> yeah. Heyman comes out, interrupts the celebration, and in another very timely moment, just like 2019, he says he forgot to mention that this is a two-out-of-three falls match. <laughs> so... <laughs> Again, man, the more things change. (laughs) Yeah, crazy. Well, as if that wasn't enough, Taker ends up scoring two falls in a row over the two top champions, and he defeats these guys by countout. So Undertaker has defeated Brock Lesnar and Paul Heyman two times in a row now. And in another very timely moment, uh, (laughs) not really, (laughs) Paul Heyman comes out and says, (laughs) No. About five years too late. Oops, I did it again. (laughs) He's wearing a full red jumpsuit. and uh, (laughs) I would like to see Canyon come out and sing that. (laughs) (laughs) Same. Same. Uh, Taker ends up... uh, uh, Excuse me. Heyman says, oh, there's no countouts in this match, so he can't win that way. So Big Show runs in and nails Taker with a chair. So Undertaker wins the third time in a row by disqualification. <sighs> and Heyman says, I bet you can guess right here, there's no disqualifications here. Uh, 
And that is going to be all Taker needs to hear as he runs to the trusty equalizer, the biker chain, nails Lesnar and show with the biker chain, and wins for the fourth time tonight. <laughs> you want to talk about <laughs> Super Taker, Super <laughs> Cena, Super Reigns. Nobody's got anything on Taker beating the U.S. champion and the <laughs> WWE champion four times in a row in a handicap match in one night. <laughs> And he pins Brock. He pins Brock. <laughs> he doesn't pin Big Show. Oh, He's a secondary one. He pins Brock to get the win. So it's too much. Oh man, it's so much. Taker. I, I love Taker, but it's too much. <laughs> it's a lot. But the story being told is a good one. I'll it say. is. Yeah. Paul well, Heyman, yeah, that is intense, though. <laughs> Heyman finally gives up. He runs to the back, and so. Taker stares down and points at Vince. He's pointing at him up in the skybox. And Lesnar and Show, they're going to come and get their revenge on Taker after the match, including that devastating F5 into the ring post that Brock has become known for. Uh, he doesn't really do that anymore since he's come back, has he? Mm, I don't. I think he did it to Punk maybe back at SummerSlam mm-hmm. or in that build-up to, to the Punk match, maybe. But other than that, I don't think he's done it at all. I'd like to see that. So. Busted out on Seth Rollins here. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. Vince heads down from his skybox to gloat now that Taker and Show, or excuse me, Show and Lesnar have done his dirty work, and he's kicking Undertaker while he's down, calls him a little, you know what, for crawling around on his hands and knees, and Vince is <laughs> he also asking calls him, him a reptile. <laughs> he's like, you crawl around your belly like a reptile. Who's <laughs> no one on the human planet talks like that <laughs> there's no one like vince on the human no, planet we're gonna find yeah. out here yeah <laughs> and vince says something very significant he's mm-hmm. screaming and says as long as he's breathing and alive that undertaker will never again be the wwe champion so he asks taker mockingly what kind of match he has in mind for brock lesnar because he knows brock lesnar is the one he wants to face here And Taker, he's selling it great. He's like wheezing and coughing and uh, choking it out. Says, I want my match at Survivor Series. The the match is (coughs) buried alive. And Vince is just laughing at him saying, oh, that's great. That's great. Brock Lesnar is going to bury you six feet under at Survivor Series. And Taker, he just stumbles up to his feet and grabs the mic and tells Vince, you got it all wrong, Vince. Brock Lesnar's not my opponent at Survivor Series. You are. Good God. Wow. Undertaker, Mr. McMahon, buried alive. Survivor Series. Oh, my God. Woo. And, of course, the crowd erupts at that, uh, screaming out a little uh, Corey Graves Graves. chant right there. (laughs) Corey Graves special. If you will. (laughs) Dude, I I can almost guarantee you I probably hated this segment back in 2003 for the reasons we just mentioned with Taker just being super mega Taker, Megatron Taker. But... (laughs) Dude, I freaking loved watching it back right now. I loved yeah. the intensity from everybody. I loved, I knew exactly where it was going, but I loved yep. the fake out. Vince is the perfect heel for this scenario. He is just, he's just 100% heel. Like, he's yeah. so evil and dirty and cocky. Um, I think you mentioned a few weeks ago, he 
we act like Vince hates Memphis stuff, but he's just such a Memphis heel during this time. Oh, yeah. It's so <laughs> paint by numbers, but it's great. And uh, it's that's where we're headed now. Unbelievably, Vince versus Taker buried alive at Survivor Series. There's our story. Crazy. And when I was looking through as we we're going to get to this, you know, I'm looking through like when we started 2002 and 2003, I'm seeing where we're headed. And I was like, how in heaven's name did we get to this match? How is this the way that we're going to bury the, de- the you know, Big evil and but you know, I liked it. I like it here. Like you said, twenty nineteen I like it. Back then probably not, but And it's been uh, building for months now. Now oh, we, yeah. now that we Long see form it. storytelling, yeah. yeah. It really has. It's made sense. So it wasn't just, oh crap, there's another pay per view this month. We gotta throw something together. It's been going on for, for months, so it's really good for them. So well, uh something else that's really good is that the next SmackDown two nineteen on October thirtieth is um one that we were actually at. Oh yeah. So this one's kind of special. It's in Atlanta, Georgia. Well, Gwinnett, Georgia, right outside Atlanta. But <laughs> yeah. It's Atlanta. It's so. called Atlanta, and yeah, the first one we ever have been to together. Yeah, that's weird, isn't it? It's crazy. So, we know each other crazy. for five years, five six years at this point, I guess. Uh, six. Yeah. 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 Six years. Since sixth grade, we were in 12th grade there, yeah. Yeah, but we had Uh, never made it to a show up to this point. Yeah, that's stupid. (laughs) (laughs) That's just disappointing. Well, this won't be the first show we get together, uh, we go together to, we'll talk about here soon, so, but uh, we drove up Tuesday after school. I mean, we We didn't want to miss school, senior year. Straight from school, drove up in your uh, Corolla. So, drove up there, uh, almost died on the way home. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah, yeah. So we almost we almost pulled a, a rocket Hogan and went to the train to the uh, semi truck. Oh, Shane and Kane. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it was like. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. So we left it. We left after school. Drove a, a, we we're from Augusta, Georgia, and uh, Evans, Georgia, right outside of Augusta, really. And so it's like a two-hour. You know, during rush hour, it's probably more like three hours. And yeah, I think we stopped it. I think we ate it like Subway or something, or Quiznos probably. or something. I feel like we got sandwich. I feel like I remember God, that. Quiznos. Yeah. Probably that. <laughs> That's timely. That's timely. Uh, but yeah, so we watched the show, and then on the way back, I drove back, and I mean, it was late for me. I don't know. I mean, it'd been a long day. Like, yeah. Obviously, we went to school, so we got yeah. up at 5 or 6 in the morning, and I, we weren't that far from home, but I was fading out, man. And, <laughs> Uh, dozed off for a second and woke up and we were coming on close to an 18 wheeler and slammed on the brakes and like did not stop for a second either that's what the scary part was i slammed on the brakes and we just kept going and then finally swerved and skidded out of the way like if there'd have been a car in the other lane we wouldn't be doing this podcast right now, <laughs> no. man. But we'd have talking taker episode zero. Yeah, we wouldn't be here. Yeah, but. we we'd have met the dead man. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and going home in a hearse. Yeah. So. But uh, yeah, I'll never forget that. Yeah, it was great, great stuff though. We just kind of looked at each other and were like, "All right, we're yeah, good to go." Then we were both wide awake for the rest of the way. Home. <laughs> yeah, we were. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, well, there were some special things that we actually called like before this show happened. We we predicted some things. We predicted. Or things we wanted to see and hoped to see. We predicted Rey Mysterio versus Ultimo Dragon. Because, you know, this is the heart of WCW town right here, you know. And 
uh, and we got it that night. Uh, we, we were just joking. The- we were riffing. Yeah, we were just kidding. We were like, what do you want to see tonight, man? <laughs> yeah. Oh, friggin' Rey Mysterio versus Ultimo Dragon. <laughs> and then it happened. Yeah. It's only like three like, minutes, but right, it happened. Still, we got it. And then we predicted a Divas costume contest, which, of course, it was day before Halloween. Or it was, I guess, three days before Halloween at this yeah. point. But it was the Halloween episode of SmackDown. And I believe that was my bathroom break, your bathroom break. We went because we knew it was going to happen. So, yeah, that. And then we also predicted the Ernest and Cat Miller returning somehow. I don't know why. But we, we predicted that. We had a vignette for that. So We were just riffing yeah. on WCW guys, like who we yeah. wanted to see. And he did commentary. I think he did commentary on Velocity, didn't he? Or did he not do that till later? Uh, not yet. Oh, no, okay. he didn't do that till later. So okay. yeah, he hadn't. This was his like vignettes. So oh, okay. we also uh, predicted that. Um, well, we got to see Canyon in, in a dark match. We got to see Rhino in a dark match. So we were both excited about that. And, yep. But this one match that didn't air uh, for some reason. We got to see World's Greatest Tag Team versus the the FBI, and uh, for some reason we they didn't show on SmackDown. I guess they cut it for time, and I don't know what happened but anyway i guess vince, vince's ranting and raving ran a little long on this episode of smackdown because it's yeah it's nowhere to be found and maybe maybe they showed it on velocity that week but yeah it's not on yeah. the broadcast weirdly enough yeah it is and despite our severe enthusiasm for this show it's really not a great episode of smackdown no. and taker's not even there and we had to it's only three matches on the whole entire show it's a lot of in-ring stuff a lot of backstage stuff but We'll we'll get into it here since we're we spent enough time reminiscing here, but we we do get to see John Cena turn face. I think we called that as well, didn't we? Him going oh, to the yeah. good side. I, I, I bought my Word Life yes. Cena shirt this night and was wearing it. So we were. I mean, I was all yeah. in on. He, oh, he, he yeah. opened the show, talked about A Train being a Wookiee in his rap. Yep. <laughs> Never good forget stuff. it, man. I was very hyped. They actually edited his rap on the network, though. He said something else, some you know, something crude and lewd, and they actually edited it off. I oh, went and wow. watched the unedited version on YouTube, but I can't remember. It wasn't significant, but it was just something that, you know, he said. But uh, anyway, yeah. So <clears throat> we also had returned somebody else uh, as Nathan Jones, unfortunately, but oh, he's he looks like he ate himself. He's huge. Mm. He's huge. He ate so, something. Yeah, he ate some yeah some kind of pills. But anyway. Um, Vince is backstage with, with Paul Heyman. He's just seething in the locker room, throwing crap around. And he's like, it's, it says it's Heyman's fault that he's in this match with Taker at Survivor Series. And how could you do this to me? Which is kind of his whole thing with, with Vince, I mean, with Linda and with Stephanie over the last few months. Yeah, he blames everybody else for pushing him to this point to get, to get there. Um, Paul tells him to calm down. And Vince is like, there won't be a match because there won't be an Undertaker. When he gets here tonight, he'll, he's going to be carried out of here. And Heyman's like, well... It's actually not going to happen because I gave him the night off. Not only the night, I gave him the rest of the month off until Survivor Series. So I can only think it's one of the perks of being in the middle-aged ministry is that you only work a couple times a month. So. Unbelievable, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Crazy. This guy's the greatest contract of all time. <laughs> he does. Yeah. Eat your heart out, Lesnar. So um, this but, was Lesnar's contract before there was a Lesnar contract. So, Dude, you talk <clears> about <throat> glimpsing of the future. How about Vincent Man chewing out Paul Heyman for his booking yeah. decision? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. What's going to happen about two to three weeks from now? Oh, yeah. Two to three weeks from now when <clears throat> everybody loves Raw and uh, <laughs> Vince doesn't get it. So, But anyway, well, Vince does go ballistic here. And he's like, you know, he says that... You don't realize what I want to do, do you? I mean, uh, you, you see, this is what's going to happen. Terrorists are going to burn down the Undertaker's house. Yeah. Uh, 
His children are going to be kidnapped. His wife, she's going to be raped by a motorcycle gang right in front of the Undertaker. That's the plan I want implemented, damn it. And you're going to do it. And you're going to do it in 15 minutes. And if you don't, you see these hands. You yeah. see these hands. Yeah, I see them. I'm going to wrap them right around your throat. And I'm going to drag you out in front of these people. And I'm going to dig my fingers down into your flesh. And I'm going to choke the life right out of you. And I just don't even know what's happening. As I'm saying that, I don't even know how that's a real thing. He wants a motorcycle gang to rape his wife in front of him and kidnap his children and burn his house down by terrorists. Not just burn his house down. Terrorist. So Well, it's more the fact that he wants it done in 15 minutes. It's like he's yeah. ordering a pizza or <laughs> calling Geico for insurance <laughs> Uber or something. Yeah. Yeah. I like a terrorist on the run. Yeah. <laughs> oh, get that terrorist insurance on your pizza. But, um... Yeah, he's he, and then he's like, you know, if you don't get this done, I'm gonna I'm gonna take you in the ring. I'm gonna choke you to death. So just lots of murder being threatened here. Um, but you know what? I, I will say that he was not gonna be shooting him at WrestleMania. Like Tommy Dreamer just revealed on, in real life that he was going to shoot Paul Heyman at WrestleMania 17 and Dude. murder him in front of a live television audience. Did you read that and hear that? I saw that online. I don't, I don't even know what to say about that. Well, that I mean. definitely would have been the most memorable WrestleMania <laughs> that had happened. <laughs> Golly. What the I got, heck? I got nothing on that, man. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's move on from that. So later on, uh, well, I'm sorry. Yeah. Later on, Heyman goes into Vince's office and is like, you know, I got nothing for you. <laughs> so he's, But then he, he Jedi mind tricks the Sith Lord here, and he actually – Pulls up, you know, does what Paul Heyman did in ECW and makes Vince drink his own Kool Aid here, basically. And it's like manipulates him, saying, you know, like, this is not the Vincent man I wanted to work for. You know, I didn't want to work for this Vincent man. I wanted to work on the one that took on Ted Turner and WCW and the, the federal government. And where's that ruthless aggression that you keep talking about? So, um, talking about how, you know, Vince works best when he's boxed in and people are, his back's against the wall. And so, why don't you just uh, go out there and get this match against Taker and win it? So, um, you know, which is a little bit of uh, art imitating life because apparently from everybody in ECW says that's what pa- Paul Heyman would really do oh, to yeah. you. He'd, you know, mind freak you like that and make you do whatever he wanted. So, <laughs> it's pretty so we have stuff. him to thank for the next couple weeks of Vince promos. Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. But um, <clears throat> later on, we see a pre-tape interview with Taker since, again, he's not there. And he's talking about Survivor Series and says that he's been asked if the beating he had last week was worth it and why Vince. And he said that he's been beaten all his life. He can take more of what those guys got. And uh, with regards to Vince being his opponent, he only thing he wants right now he's focused on is becoming the five-time WWE champion. But he knows that won't happen as long as Vince is around. Take that Vince left because he says that's how he arrived at this Buried Alive match. It was all Vince's idea. The words came out of Vince's mouth. As long as I breathe in and I breathe out, you will never be WWE champion. So I guess that's kind of how we arrive at Buried Alive. Hell, it was Vince's idea. I guess subconsciously, he planted the thought in my head. Because really, those thoughts hadn't been in my head in a long, long time. 
if I'm not going to get a fair shot at the WWE title, if he's breathing in and out, well, I guess it's time that he stops breathing in and out. So he says you can use this old cliche that you dug your own grave, and that's uh, kind of how that goes. So anyway, that's that's all we got for the build up there. But it is kind of cool that you know he's making it seem like it was all Vince's idea. So yeah, I liked it, and uh, I thought it was good delivery. Yeah. Undertaker definitely wish we could have seen him live. We sadly yeah, never saw, real. never saw Undertaker riding his bike live. Man, it's a bummer. I saw yeah because I saw him at in the invasion one, but he went and he, I think he walked out. I can't remember if he walked when he fought oh, DDP and Sarah that. or whatever. I was yeah. that, so I got uh, to see the American BA version, but that was uh, I don't remember if he had his bike or not that night. So. And we forgot to mention on last week's SmackDown. That was the last time we'll ever see Undertaker ride out on a bike because, oh, sadly, yeah. he does not do it on the pay-per-view <laughs> in his last match. Yeah. How weird. Very weird. Uh, but, yeah, that was definitely a memorable night of SmackDown for us, our first ever appearance there, uh, my first ever WWE live. Well, I guess it was a ta- I've been to Superstars tapings, but never been to a Raw or SmackDown uh, until that night, so that was pretty cool to go to that and definitely for us to go there together oh yeah can you see us on tv ever i don't think we can really we didn't have a sign or anything that no i don't think we ever got on there so i was looking in the crowd where we were sitting i don't think i I didn't see us i saw where we were sitting but i don't see i didn't see us there so but we got to see matt morgan debut oh we did see that (laughs) man that's a highlight i guess okay yeah (laughs) well let's uh keep this uh, cycle rolling to SmackDown 220, episode uh, 220 on 11.6.03. Again, not much going on in the ring because Taker has got the month off <laughs> to yeah. ride his bike around the country or do whatever. He's got another backstage sit-down interview. Seems like it's from the same sitting yeah. he was at before. <clears throat> He's talking a lot of the same stuff, saying how this match with McMahon, it's, it's personal, it's bigger than the WWE title, and he gets into the fact that um, it's going to be his 13th anniversary with the WWE this Survivor Series. So obviously, yeah. Survivor Series holds a special place in Taker's heart and in his legacy. He ties that into talking about how he has not been respected by Vince lately because Vince doesn't respect anyone. And so, again, I like this because this whole run of Undertaker has been all about respect. That's been a huge part yeah. of his character. That's been his buzzword. So that's what it comes down to here. Undertaker says that Survivor Series is going to fight for everyone throughout the years that Vince has been disrespected. And again, in another cool nod to history, we see some video clips and, and Vince, or excuse me, I'm all over the place tonight. Uh, Taker's going to name check Bret Hart, Steve Austin. says the list is endless. And you didn't mention Bret Hart's name still in 2003, so that was mm-hmm. a big deal. They're talking about him. He's still not on good terms with the company at this point. Right. Uh, but Taker says D- disrespect is a normal activity for Vince McMahon, but time's got to come when you got to be held accountable for your actions, even if your name is Vince McMahon. So, again, wish we were seeing stuff in the arena, but uh, still a solid promo from the dead man building this up. Here, um, as we do see that the cat is still on the prowl. Just want to make sure everyone knows that. Somebody call his mama. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Vignettes with Lamont. and Oh, man. So much charisma. That guy couldn't rustle uh, for a lick, but no. a ton of charisma. 
Yeah, absolutely. He could be a manager or com- I loved him on commentary. He was ridiculous. He was. So I always was entertained by the cat. Not uh, Stacy what Carter, but this this cat. Absolutely. I mean, I was a fan of Stacy Carter, but uh, that's a <laughs> that's a different story. Uh, yeah. Uh, anyway, then we really go off the rails here. Yeah, I we we start to veer off of the road a little bit. We're gonna go off the rails next week, but we yeah. we start to swerve off the road as Vince comes out for a kind of like we did on the way home from <laughs> exactly. Yeah, <laughs> starting to. Vince is he's a bit more subdued than normal. He doesn't have that typical Vince swagger as he's coming out. He says he's going to come before the people tonight, and he wants to ask them not to be afraid of him or what he's about to do or say. He doesn't want them to snicker or be scornful of his genuine sincerity. We all know that this Buried Alive match at Survivor Series hangs over my head like the Sword of Damocles. Travis, I have no idea what that means. (laughs) Paul Heyman says it all the time. He does. Paul Heyman talks about the Sword of Damocles like every <laughs> year, at least in one of his promos, he talks about it. So, um, I'm, I'm, I've got it on Wikipedia right now. <laughs> uh, according to the story, Damocles was pandering to Dionysus, his king, and exclaiming to him that Dionysus was truly fortunate as a great man of power and authority surrounded by magnificence. In response, Dionysus offered to switch places with Damocles for one day so that Damocles could taste that very fortune firsthand. Damocles eagerly accepted. He sat down on the king's throne, surrounded by every luxury. But Dionysus, who had made many enemies during his reign, arranged that a huge sword should hang above the throne, held at the pommel by only a single hair of a horse's tail to evoke the sense of what it is like to be king. Though having much fortune, always having to watch in fear and anxiety against dangers that may overtake him. And Damocles finally begged the king that he be allowed to depart because he no longer wanted to be so fortunate, realizing that with great fortune and power also come great danger. Oh. There you go. That's a bedtime story to Vince McMahon, basically. Apparently, yeah. (laughs) Uh, It makes sense, actually. I get it. Okay. I buy that. Anyway. It's a favorite of Paul Hinn. Paul Hinn probably fed in this line because he uses it all the time. Probably did. So. It does. It sounds like a Vince thing, though, too. I don't know. Oh, it could yeah. be either one. The crowd is laughing at Vince through all of this, calling him an a-hole, chanting at him. But yeah. Vince gets down on one knee and asks for every head to bow and every eye to close as he offers his personal invocation. And the lights dim and a spotlight goes on Vince and... He begins to pray, quote-unquote. I don't know what quite this is, but he asks for his soul to be cleansed and his heart to be purged. He asks for the ability to pierce the veil of righteousness en route to maximum absolution. He wants to follow the light of purity to ultimate victory. He asks for understanding and forgiveness, but not for his past sins but for what he's about to do in the future. For you see, I've been chosen, chosen by a higher authority, a greater power, which I thought he was the greater power. But Right, yeah. <laughs> well, maybe it's Christopher Daniels finally chosen. <laughs> maybe so. Uh, he says he's been chosen to take a glorious quest, the final ride to vanquish his foes, to slaughter the infidel. He says, I've been chosen to take 
the final ride. I've been chosen to vanquish my foes. I've been chosen to slaughter the infidel. Yes, by God, I've been chosen to bury the Undertaker alive. Amen. And amen. And he slowly puts the mic down. And, you know, we can talk about how blasphemous this is and how terrible this is, but I do like the production value, at least, that he puts the mic down and he gets up and no music plays and the camera just fades out. Like, when do you ever see that? Like, right. You, there's no, we don't hear no chance in hell. We don't right. hear Cole and Taz going, what does this mean? <laughs> I don't know, bro. <laughs> like, yeah. And don't like forget. Walk. <laughs> <laughs> coming up next, we got a le- <laughs> lingerie stripper match. Right. <laughs> <laughs> no, like they played it as a very serious thing and it was very different and it stood out and Vince like he was literally seemed like he was possessed by Satan during this like uh, it was it was different and he gave it his all I'll give Vince he that. did he gave it his all and uh, he looked like the puppet from the Firefly Funhouse oh my god <laughs> might as well have had horns on he did but, he uh, was terrifying yeah, it's um. You got to give it to him for getting into character and doing that. Although, this probably the real guy. I know. I think he had <laughs> he has to do no much work. No respect for an actual <laughs> god or anything, higher authority or religion of any sort. Because he's talking about infidels and terrorists last week. He's mocking, like you know, uh, Islam with that, and then mocking Christianity. And he'll he'll squash every religion if he can. So, but whatever. It is what it is, and it's definitely uh, uh, gonna even get more religiously as we <laughs> head into the next week so that's smackdown 221 on november 13th 03 this is the go home show for survivor series and uh backstage we see vince he's like rubbing his temples massaging him his head while sable's sitting next to him looking to the new wwe unscripted book so did you have this one it's sitting on my desk right now exactly it sure is, man. That. yeah that yeah is that awesome. encyclopedia. it is a good book yeah it is good. so many cool uh, it breaks kayfabe the whole book it's right like, very ahead of its time with all these pictures and interviews people out of character talking stuff including the undertaker man if you uh, i'm sure it's it's probably not it's probably out of print but if you can find it on ebay or amazon or something it's definitely worth checking out even even in 2019 it's cool to look at great coffee oh, yeah. table book yeah it's really neat so um well vince <clears throat> is uh angry because um sable points out a picture of his dog ruckus i think and he talks about his his puppy and then the next page she turns over is the picture of undertaker as the dead man back in the day so vince is highly offended at this and um he's gonna tell us that you know deep down in his soul he knows he's protected by a higher power but last night he had a nightmare oh boy oh boy Buckle up, folks. <laughs> he said, last night he had a night. He said, I had a dream that I was dead, but my brain was alive. I'd been buried, but I could hear the sounds of maggots eating my flesh. And they came rushing in my skull and pouring through my eye sockets. And they, they ate my eyeballs. And 
I swallowed a gaggle of maggots, which I don't know that a, a group gaggle? of maggots is called a gaggle. I, don't, I, mean, I mean, I don't know that that's a typical term. I know there are some strange ones like a murder of crows or a crash of rhinos. Those are collective terms for a group of those animals, but I don't know that it's called a gaggle of maggots. But Is it anyway, really a crash of rhinos? Absolutely it is. Like a what? flock of seagulls. It's called a crash of rhinos. It's why, fantastic. Why is that, that not like Rhino's faction or one of his moves or something? <laughs> no. It'd be great. Oh my, my gosh. Next, my next album should be called Crash of Rhinos. So. I, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, anyway, he says that they swallowed this gaggle of maggots and they went into my abdomen area and ate my insides. And uh, talks about he was I was able to excrete them, but the stench was overbearing. Then the maggots ate my fetid feces, which, again, it's not feces. That's what It's he not says. like a couple of fish, like, oh, look at the feces. Like, it's feces. It's feces. Feces. Yeah. I saw my two-year-old say feces. Probably... It said that these gaggle of maggots ate his feces. And uh, then, that's not it, then they go back into my eye sockets and the process starts over and over again. And then I wake up and I realize it was all just a dream. However, there was still that stench. And I realize I soiled myself in bed. <laughs> and meanwhile, Sable. The poor Sable. Mrs. Brock Lesnar is sitting right next to him, rubbing his back, <laughs> playing the straight man here. And God only knows what's running through her mind, because I would like to know. And Sable consoles him as he's giving this horrifying dream. And uh, he Vince is like, what does this mean? And uh, he just took the words out of my mouth, man. And so I have no idea what just happened. I don't know why that was pre-taped shot, given the green light to put on television. But uh, it's he's out of his mind, basically, where we're getting at. He's out of his mind, and he's pooping himself in the bed. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, this segment was brought to you by Oops, I Crap My Pants. <laughs> <laughs> My God, this is my new favorite segment of all time. This <laughs> literally crapped the bed <laughs> Like I was thinking as he was talking, I was watching this. I'm like, dude, I think you crapped yourself. I think that's what this dream was. But then he actually said he looked down and he soiled himself <laughs> in his dream. <laughs> I can't I believe... Know. <laughs> that's what's happening. I don't know what that means. <laughs> I don't know what any of it means. Uh, but it's out of control. But you know, do you know how much fun this guy's having? Given uh, these stupid promos yes. like this, he's having a blast. This is his dream. This is what oh, he wants yeah. everyone to deliver. Like, yeah. <laughs> he probably was telling Dean Ambrose to give a promo. Like, yeah. <laughs> talk yeah. about the people smell like feces. <laughs> I can't hear that word and not think of fish. <laughs> <laughs> Look at Tongue uh, Fishy. Oh, <laughs> oh, man. Let's try to get this train back on the rails here. I don't know if we can. It's, it's exploded. We... It's crashed. <laughs> oh, it's a crash of Rhino. So, well, then, <laughs> to juxtapose that, we're going to get Taker, a vignette from him. He's revisiting. A graveyard. Ooh. And he talks about saying that, you know, I didn't think I'd ever be back to this place, but Vince, you brought me back here. 
and you're going to have to pay. And he says this cemetery is filled with the people that he's laid to rest. And then he quotes Ursula from Little Mermaid and calls them poor, unfortunate souls. So I'm sure that's what he's, he's been going watching, for. <laughs> he's been watching Little Mermaid with his, his newborn child, yeah, I guess. Yeah, little so. kids. Yeah, he's got little kids that are going to be kidnapped. Vince has his way. So, but he says that. Um, oh, excuse me. He says that uh, uh, none of these souls has ever wanted his wife raped or kidnapped his children, though. Which I bet they differ because DDP. <laughs> believe that was, was the whole point of that. <laughs> yeah. So he's even he's even uh, nixed that from his own like the canon of his own story. Yeah, it's, it's okay, it's fair. <laughs> uh, but he says that um, Vince is in for a long night at, at Survivor Series. He's going to choke slam him into the hole, and uh, Vince is going to be looking for mercy and forgiveness, and he's going to cover him with dirt and shovel him with dirt until his whole body is covered, except for his head. He's going to leave his head exposed, which I thought, like, what a neat concept. Just leave yeah. his head exposed and bang him with the shovel. Like, <laughs> <laughs> that would have been an awesome visual. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, he says he wants Vince to think of all the sins uh, in the past and all the people that he's destroyed. And while Taker's saying this, we get clips of, of all the people that, you know, he's wronged in the past and people he's destroyed. And we get clips of Stunt Cold and Hulk Hogan and Zach Gowan and Stephanie, which is, you know, the Mount Rushmore of Vince's destruction, I guess. So, and he think <laughs> he wants Vince to think about his family, the ones he's betrayed the most. And I want you to suffocate on the thoughts of the things that you've done in your lifetime. All the people that you've used, abused, hurt, and destroyed. People that have worked for you and people that have broken their back for you. And I want you to think about your family, Vince. Because those are the ones that you've betrayed most. And as that cold dirt surrounds your body, the realization is Vincent Kennedy McMahon. Is being buried alive. And uh, Taker shovels dirt onto the grave, and there's the camera inside the grave basically looking up at it, which is a neat visual. Again, the production, they spared no expense, as uh, John right. Heyman would say with this. And um, really neat, really neat. I really liked it. So they, sounds they, like we're in for some more murder. Yeah, these graveyard promos, I mean, back in the day with Taker were always awesome. And uh, it was it's cool to go back to it, especially yeah. – knowing the transition that's about to happen to tease into that. So uh, they're doing a really good job of, of teasing that, even though if we didn't realize that's what was happening back at this time. Right. <clears throat> exactly. Well, something else that people didn't realize was going to happen was that Father Frank uh, could be an unlockable character on the next SmackDown oh, game. A ROG 2K game, whatever. <laughs> he should be. Well, we get Vince is pondering his future in the locker room, and Sable comes in there with Father Frank, who – bless his heart, is probably a legit priest. <laughs> There's and no way he was an actor. No, because if he was, <laughs> he was fired. He's awful, but he's probably a legit priest, and Vince is like, I'm going to get this poor soul here and just make fun of him. But anyway, Sable says she's gotten uh, Father Frank here to relieve some of Vince's tension that he's under. So Vince kind of eyes him and goes to shake his hand and then uh, says, how are you going to help me? And Frank says he's going to pray for him. Do you know who I am? Yes, I do, Mr. McMahon. I'm Vincent Kennedy McMahon. And you're 
Father Frank. Yes, I am. So glad to meet you. I do too. Won't you have a seat? Thank you. Now then, of all people, Sable brings a priest to try and help me. Um, let's see, you're not here to perform last rites because that means you'd be somewhere else, not, not here. Um, so you're here to help me. Yes, of course. And how do you intend to help me? Maybe, uh, maybe you'll pray for me. Yes, I will pray for you and with you. You will? Yes, of course. Go ahead. Oh, I, um, I, I pray for you. I, yeah. I, I help you. I pray for you. Yeah. Yeah, he doesn't speak English very well. He's like, <laughs> only speaks Latin. It's like... <laughs> <laughs> his Latin was his first language, and uh, English is the second. So, I'm not sure if he yeah. understood he was on television. I don't think he knew that this was real. So, um, but yeah, he um, starts with the Lord's prayer, and uh, Vince interrupts him, and they start again. And Vince interrupts him again, and it's like, well, let's try it on our knees, you know. And they get down, and Father Frank starts up again, you know, our Father who art in heaven, and you know, Vince. Uh, Interrupts and says, "Yeah, I need you to pray harder." <clears throat> so Vince obviously doesn't understand what prayer is. So oh, he's got to um, he's got to produce everything, man. Yeah, yeah. So and then you know Father Frank continues on, and Vince is like, <laughs> like he's Muttley from Wacky Races over there, and he's hamming it up, and Father Frank is is praying there, and, and Vince finally stops him again. He's like, you know, you're you're praying for the wrong man. You don't need to pray for me. You need to pray for the Undertaker. And then Vince says he's already heard the calling and uh, lays his hand on the priest and says that he's going to send Taker straight to hell at Survivor Series. And this Father Frank is completely aloof, unaware that he's even on TV, I think. And, you know, Vince says that when he stands above that grave, he's going to bury Taker and then says, Hallelujah and Amen. So he's just getting this checklist of religious terms that he knows off. You know, like hallelujah, amen, and pray. That's it. <laughs> Vince, someone clearly hurt Vince as a child, and he needs to go to therapy. Is what? Yeah. That's what really needs oh, yeah. to happen here. Yeah. But uh, dude, can I, we do can we do episode by episode of Wacky Races when we get done with talking oh, Taker? Absolutely. That'd be our next Love podcast. That All right. Yeah. Love it. So we'll do that. Circle at it. Put that in the docket. So. <laughs> Oh man! I tell you what, though, man. Taker's trying what he's given. These these the scenes are cool. Uh, Vince is going all out for this, but I just I hate the build from Vince's side. Just how it's I don't know. I hate the story of that part. How he's getting all religious and doing that kind of stuff. But I do like that he's losing his mind. Um, so I don't know. It is neat, but that brings us to Survivor Series. It does, man. With again, uh, it's kind of been. A signature part of this these last few months no really physical interaction so they've kept these yeah. guys separate which is a nice touch as well as we talk about survivor series 03 november 16th 2003 the american Airlines center in dallas texas uh, i had never seen anything on this card before tonight. Oh, really? uh, i watched uh watched most of the card before watching this match but uh it's uh i remember the card very well it's like I almost think it's one of the last really big Survivor Series where like stuff felt like it mattered back on the card. Survivor Series kind of feels like an afterthought a lot of times lately, but this one had a lot of important stuff on there. 
Yeah, I did. I remember renting this one because I was excited for uh, Team Angle versus Lesnar, and then I was excited for the Raw one too because it determined Austin's fate for you know, right? Uh, for future. I mean, of course, by the time you rent it, I already knew what happened, but I wanted to see those matches. So I do not recall watching this match or caring about it, honestly. So I, this could have been the first time I've ever watched it. Was for this. So we had a great wrestling song as the theme song. Limp Biscuit, build a bridge. Dude, I love that song. <laughs> It's probably my favorite Lit Biscuit song. I didn't even remember that song, man. I could it's, it's on song. the network. It's on oh. there, man. Yeah, I couldn't even recall it though. Like I didn't remember that it was a Lit Biscuit song. Oh yeah. No. It's there. It's there. <laughs> uh, the opening promo for the night, video package, all that. It's focusing on the word survive and hits all the main matches and ends with Taker shoveling dirt onto the camera. Same clip from that SmackDown promo you just talked about, Travis. So Again, it's not going to be the main event of the night, but it is going to be a huge focus of the night, which is nice to see, especially since 2003, he has not always been the main attraction during things. So it's nice that he's back in that role. Yeah, it is. And uh, later on in the night, Vince is going to run into Shane backstage, and it says it's ironic that they're tonight, you know, the father and son are both matching up against two brothers because over on Raw, Shane is fighting Kane. And uh, they had a <laughs> the limo exploded uh, underneath a underneath a eighteen uh, uh, wheeler, and this is all kind of craziness. They've taken uh, batteries to the scrotum. It's been really <laughs> weird. It's been a lot of strange stuff. Dude. Thrown into it, literally thrown into a dumpster fire, if I remember correctly. <laughs> Dude, I'm as bad as some of this stuff was. I'm glad we weren't covering that, man. <laughs> oh my, I hated it back then, and it's still stupid. We're not gonna bring that raising Kane. For that. Oh, we could do a bonus show. Huh? I'm well, totally kidding. There's a thousand other matches I'd rather pick. But uh, Vince says that he's feel, you know feels this higher call, higher power from the calling. Which I don't know. Is he referencing the 2000s band? It's like, if I could, then I would. I mean, he could have been saying that. Oh, keep it going, man. <laughs> I'll go wherever Ever you will go. go. That's like a poor man's Eddie Vedder and the guy from Lifehouse. Yeah, that's a good song, though. <laughs> it's a great song. Yeah. Great song for dances in middle school and high school. Yeah, for sure. Well, he's heard his calling from a higher, a higher power and says that. Uh, but then Shane's like, you know, I feel sorry for you, Vince. And he walks away, and Vince does. And wa- he actually walks into Austin backstage, who just stares at him and starts laughing and then just walks away. So, Because uh, this is, again, this is Austin's maybe last night as well in the company. So. Um, that's kind of the storyline there. So they're meeting up for what could have been the last time ever, but we know it's wrestling. Nothing's forever. So and this is cool. This is a cool co-branded show. They actually do a lot of stuff between the brands during this yeah. show, like including <clears throat> Goldberg and Brock having their mm-hmm. first face off. And uh, I remember really liking back in the day that they were starting the WrestleMania build here at yeah. Survivor Series. And oh yeah, made a point of that. So that was neat. Of course, Kane does also, just want to mention, he looks a lot different than the last time we covered him on this show. <laughs> yeah. He has been unmasked since we covered him last, losing to Triple H, and has somehow become an even more demonic character than when we covered him last. And that's, of yeah. course, going to come into play here shortly uh, as Kane ends up defeating Shane McMahon in an ambulance match earlier in the night, ending that terrible, awful feud. Uh, and then... Stone Cold's team is going to lose that Survivor Series match. As you mentioned, he's going to have to retire here. And it's 
it's a big long match, a good match, and yeah, kind of a similar thing I mentioned on last week's show. It's kind of gonna kill the crowd off here before Undertaker's yeah. match because it's so emotional. It's it's all over the place. They do a big long thing with Austin giving a farewell speech and toasting the crowd and. That could have been the main event, man, but instead they've got two more matches left, and unfortunately Taker's stuck in the spot having to follow that. Yeah, Austin's like beating up Coach and handing out stunners left and right, and the crowd is just popping and popping. I mean, they're in Dallas, Texas. Mm. Like, are you kidding me? Like, that's where he's – he talks in his promo about going to the Sportatorium and and starting wrestling in Dallas and stuff like that. That should have been the end of the night, you know, whatever. But anyway, yeah, you got to follow that up. But we got a a video – package for the semi-main here with the buried alive match because taker does go on next to last and this video is spliced with moments from their history where vince has actually screwed taker which is a really cool touch it's it got was. him yeah. um you know where he flicks him off back in 98 and and uh just screwing him over and over again and it's just really really neat and i wish they had played some of this maybe earlier on in the build-up um, but yeah, something that's left off entirely is any interaction with Father Frank. That's edited <laughs> off this retirement, this this recap video completely. Someone's got to ask Bruce about Father Frank uh, <laughs> sometime. Yeah. Something to wrestle. Dirty Frank. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we do, of course, see that classic buried alive site uh, over by the ring. We can zoom in on that and. The announcers note, I don't know if they note all this, but they do note that the Undertaker has had three Buried Alive matches so far. I think they say that, but they don't mention that he's mm-hmm. actually 2-1 and one in yeah. them historically. He, of course, lost to Stone Cold, but won the other two, the tag team match on SmackDown and the match. He won the match with Mankind, but ended up being Buried Alive afterward <laughs> yeah. somehow. You wouldn't know. You wouldn't know. <laughs> And the gravesite that looks like they've learned their lessons from before because they already have a giant bulldozer full of dirt out there beforehand instead of the guy. (laughs) I just talked about this with the bottom line cast guys on their last watch along show, the disaster that was the the guy that couldn't pour the dirt on the Stone Cold back in 1998. (laughs) He got so mad. He did. Oh, man. He's pissed. Oh, yeah. Yeah, uh, we got another six foot deep... uh, grave which again if that's six feet deep taker's 11 feet tall so. <laughs> <laughs> 11 foot two the undertakers <laughs> oh but taz like it's 90 yards of dirt they brought <laughs> <laughs> the entire football field <laughs> 90 yards of dirt they brought in there man so i don't know but anyway but i do want to mention here taz does have some expert analysis for us he always you does mentioned last week we had this Keys to victory. Keys to victory. We got Taz's three special steps to victory here. And uh, for Taker, number one is, oh, those evil submissions. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Number two is home field advantage. So, again, being in Texas, I appreciate that. I thought you meant the grave site. No, that that too. Yeah. A little double entendre there. Yeah. So, and number three is uh, match experience. So, again, he's been in – this would be his fourth. And then uh, Taz's keys to victory for Vincent Mann, number one is mental stability. Excuse so me? So can he <laughs> keep and retain his mental stability enough to okay. uh, to you know defeat the Undertaker? Number two is invincible, with Vince in all caps in the middle of it. So uh, were they promoting that new Mark Wahlberg movie? Wasn't that the – yeah, promoting it from the future. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Sure. Uh, 
And then number three is quite possibly the greatest one. Great advice. Avoid the hole! With all caps, the word hole. Is he giving that <laughs> advice to Sable? Uh, <laughs> I'm out. I'm all, right. out. all right, man. I'll finish, right. I'll finish up. <laughs> <laughs> She's got to share a bed with this guy. He craps the bed. <laughs> man. Avoid the hole. Oh. oh, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, old Tony Chimble's going to tell us, besides these keys to victory, that the way to win this one is to cover your opponent completely with dirt, burying them alive, which is a bit different than some of these other buried alive matches where you just had to start shoveling dirt on them to win. They clearly say that you have to completely <laughs> yeah. cover your opponent with dirt this time. Yeah. yeah. As they keep doing, they keep getting, you know, there's growing pains. They're figuring it out. That's so. right. You know, Taker's going to walk out uh, here in his worldwide evil shirt and walk he stretched. Out. Yeah, walk, not ride out for his last match as the Viking Taker. Man. Yeah, it's weird to think about that in, in hindsight. So he's stretching, loosening up for this barn burner he's about to have on his 13th anniversary. And. Uh, Vince is going to come out next, and he's got his hands folded like a like laced together, like he's praying. Which um, some people would pray with their hands up. Some, I guess, pray with their la- fingers laced. So he's got that going. He's holding them clasped all the way to the ring, looking up at the sky, just mocking his creator, <laughs> and uh, even gets in the corner and kneels uh, to pray before the match starts. So really, just hamming up this whole higher power calling thing. So he's all in on it, man. Yeah. Um, just before the match, a couple things I want to point out before we get into it. Um, yeah. There's some great signs in the crowd. There's a guy literally with a dry erase board that I guess he was so redoing. Good, yeah. sign- I've always wanted had that idea. Yeah. I've never seen anybody actually do it. And then, I don't know if this is the first time. I have no idea. It's the first time I ever noticed him. But the WWE sign guy, uh, Rick the sign guy, I think he is, the guy that always wears like the blue, blue shirt, red, shirt hat. red hat, he's in the front mm. row, man. And There you go. It's probably not his first time. I have no idea what his actual first show is, but that's the first time I ever noticed him. I didn't know if you saw him or had seen I, him before. I do remember seeing him on this, but I don't remember calling seeing him before either, though. Although yeah. I haven't been paying too much attention, but I really haven't noticed him. But he very, stands uh, out, you know. Yeah, yeah. And he's got that signature, that signature look, you know. Yeah, I guess he's so. still around. He still goes to stuff nowadays. I think so. Yeah. If not, he's more than the smiley face green shirt guy <laughs> in the front row next to the guy with the long hair. It looks like he's going to druid. Yeah, so. Brock, Brock Lesnar guy. He's in the most yep. famous fans club, I would say. Yeah. Um, and then just want to say, man, the, again, this is just surreal, dude. Thinking about the history of our show, 99 mm-hmm. episodes. Vince doing commentary, being the biggest mark ever as a commentator, and now he's the evil guy praying in the corner against Undertaker for his last yeah. match of this iconic run. Dude, wrestling is very, very strange. But, man, what a journey we've been on, man. Oh, yeah. Been a great journey. And uh, really, again, surprisingly good story built up here between mm-hmm. these two. And, I, again, it can't be said uh, – enough that Vincent Mann is the best heel in the wrestling business history, I think. I mean, nobody's been a better heel than him. It's hard to argue that point. No one. It really is. 
It's he's, not a wrestler, but just an actual heel. Yeah. Just as a heel character, no one's been a better heel character than him. For ever. for the amount of time and yeah. the amount of money drawn, you know, right. He's got to be. He's got to be on your Mount Rushmore. I, you, you, oh, may, yeah. you may be able to make an argument for somebody else at number one, but he's got to be in there. And yeah. like a true heel, he is going to take a massive, massive butt whooping in this <laughs> quote-unquote match. It's hard to even call it that, yeah. Travis, because he turns around from praying and just smiling and talking to The Undertaker and Undertaker decks him with a giant soup bone and busts him open immediately yeah. with one shot. And we normally reserve the blood tracker for multiple moments of blood during a build, but I think this is worthy of a ding right here because this might be the biggest busted open blood blade job we've ever seen. Man, it's it's right next to Taker against Brock Lesnar at Hell to Cell for how Vince just gushes and spews blood for the next 12 minutes it's unreal it is man yeah it's it's if it's not equal with the takers uh, blade job it is right beneath it man it is out of control he clearly doesn't know how to blade himself oh <laughs> my god way too deep or way too many times i don't know what he did but yeah he is just bloody but how cool to see because he's not a wrestler to see one punch from Taker, oh, like, do perfect. this to him. You know what I'm saying? Yes. It's perfect. It's perfect, like, psychology. So, great. Well, Taker just takes out his years of frustration on Vince, yeah. <laughs> unloads on him with punches. Vince's blood is just immediately squirting everywhere, all over the <laughs> ring. He v- Taker pulls, crotches him on one corner, and the blood stains that side of the ring. Vince is moaning in pain. Taker pulls Vince to the opposite corner rams <laughs> yeah. the old grapefruits into that post and vince's blood is all over that side of the ring yeah and so yeah they go to the outside and vince is just pouring blood and taker actually nails vince's head off the announce table and when he does that you just see blood just pouring out onto <sighs> the table on the yeah. michael cole and taz's area and taker in true character is like this is for my wife and he punches vince which, again, his character would have done that at that point because he threatened to have his wife raped by a biker gang. <laughs> I guess. Uh, Can weird. you imagine your boss just bleeding all over you and you've got to finish this? You're, you're like, they're not even talking about stopping or trying to stop. Right. Vince is just going along with it and Taker's mm-hmm. just got to sit there and beat up his boss while it looks like he's dying in front of him. Yeah, I know. It's crazy. And one thing I did appreciate here next is Taker goes back to his old self and winds up choking Vince with the TV cables, which mm-hmm. he hadn't done that in a long time. Yeah. He used to do that back in his ministry days in 97 all the time, but I uh, like that. And then he takes a monitor off the table and just punches Vince in the head with it. He doesn't hold like, back, man. No. And Vince bumps over that table and just blood everywhere, and Taker goes, oh, we're just getting started. I, I just love, <laughs> I love the intensity from him. It's great. This one-sided beating continues, and it's it's honestly getting uncomfortable to watch at this point. Yeah. Like, Vince's blood is all over Taker's black leather pants, but you can see the blood stains all yeah. over that on there. So Taker, he takes a break for a minute, walks up to the graveside, and grabs a shovel, and it's definitely a lot more of a gimmicked, like, aluminum shovel than the last, yeah. you know, metal shovels they used to use in these matches, and... 
Uh, take her wax vents in the head with the shovel straight up, yep. uh, like a Cody Rhodes chair shot, if you will. <laughs> yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. And, and then, then he's not, he's not done no, beating no. up his boss. He's gonna go um, to the stairs and take the stairs apart and crush Vince's I think it's his right leg right in between the stairs, just like he did back in '98. Yeah. Um, when Vince was in the wheelchair and all that stuff. So uh, Vince is like this, lying there convulsing, and they're just multiple different puddles of blood not yeah. mud puddles of blood around the ring man it's just ugh, it's gross between a puddle of mud i bet vince's mind was blurry at this point so <laughs> i had to sorry i can't i can't <laughs> well uh, then taker takes a page out of brock lesnar's book and t- picks up vince's blood from the ground and rubs across his chest ugh, ugh. <laughs> yes you're right <laughs> I hope Vince was, uh, had a blood test before this, man. It's, he it's needed to. Everywhere. He You little. Well, take her. other blonde females. <laughs> yeah, everyone else. <laughs> take her, gets Vince up, picks him up like a torture rack, basically, and carries him to the gravesite. Not like Vince yeah. could walk at this point if he wanted to, but <laughs> no. take her, tosses Vince into the dirt, and... Taker tosses Vince into the dirt, and Vince actually gets his first offense of the whole match here and tosses dirt into Taker's eyes and then hits a Death Valley blow. Uh, he grabs a shovel and whacks Taker with it and sends Taker into the grave. So, kind of kind of disappointing that, honestly, it, Taker's a little bit overselling for Vince here because you wouldn't think Vince would be able to knock Taker into the grave just... After he's taken that big of a butt whooping, that quickly. right, but whatever, that's the story. That's yeah, on. well, he doesn't stay in there very long because Taker stands up and again, he's 11 feet tall and he pulls Vince into the grave. And then, so now Vince is in there and Taker gets up and climbs out and he's gonna go over. And I guess Vince is just so drained of blood and his stamina, stamina meter is down, so he's just laying in the in the grave. And Taker's gonna go and he's going to crawl into the um, bulldozer, if you will, or the payloader, as Taz calls it. <laughs> and as he opens the door, Pyro just explodes from like the, the doorway, from the seat, and Taker's going to fall back onto the ground. And then we see Kane, his brother, pop out of nowhere. Yes. Kane used his magical powers and set off a pyroblast into Undertaker's face. Basically knocking him into the grave, or Kane shoves him into the grave and pulls Vince out, and then pushes Vince over toward the bulldozer, and Kane reaches down at Taker, and he he grabs the headband off of Undertaker's head and starts laughing and cackling, and Taz is confused on commentary here because Kane's supposed to be on Monday Night Raw! <laughs> really, <Yeah>. dude? Right. <laughs> That's what you're worried about here? He's on the wrong brand? Yeah, exactly. <sighs> Not in the there. same building, you moron. They're like, brothers. Yeah. <laughs> they hate each exactly. other. Yeah. Except uh, when they like each other. <laughs> yeah. Except for No Mercy last year, and I said, I said hey, how was your week? So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, then at this point, Taker, uh, you can hear him audibly say, he either says, switch it now or hit it now or something like that, but he says something from the grave, like, let's get this over with, like, Hit the bulldozer. So, um, pretending we don't hear that, uh, we can't, like I said, uh, the dozer is going to let the dirt down and, uh, I guess 
three uh, football fields worth of dirt supposed to fall <laughs> on the Undertaker, and he gets buried alive at 12 minutes. So it actually works. One of the rare yeah. times when these buried alive matches, he he gets immediately covered with dirt. So they've yep. fixed that problem from the earlier matches. And Vince McMahon defeats the Undertaker, and Michael Cole says. <laughs> There you go. Unbelievable, take a, man. Take Put that 13-year career into a dirt nap. That's right. Take a dirt nap. Well, then, speaking of taking a nap, Kane's going to lay down on the, the mound of dirt and not take a nap. Though. He's going to trace Taker's name on the headstone and kind of play with the uh, the dirt there for a second while he's just laughing maniacally. Like you said, he's really extra, like, demonic here. So who better to put with the demon than Satan himself? Uh, BL's events. <laughs> <laughs> Well, despite winning the match, Cole and Taz, again, point out, they we cut back to them at the announce table, and they're just pointing out all the blood on their announce table. Oh, Talk about yeah. an unsafe working environment right there. Yeah, really. But they recap the match. They're just aghast at this. And then we just do a quick hard cut to Goldberg and Triple H, as yep. if nothing really important <laughs> happened. And that's right. my That's my biggest complaint here, man, like... This could have been the main event, too. The Austin match yeah. could have been the main event, but this also could have been the main event because it's such a huge... It's not a match. It's an angle more than anything. It's a, right. a storyline thing, but it's huge and important and memorable, and it gets the wind sucked out of it because we got to go to Goldberg and Triple H real quick, and it doesn't have the time to breathe. Yeah. No, I agree, man. It's definitely just like, oh, on to the next thing. So, But, um... You know, this Barry Live match wasn't really a match. I wouldn't say it's uh, – not. all of these are kind of gimmicky and hard, but yeah. no, none are going to compare to that Mankind one for me. But nah. this was definitely better than – it was more entertaining than I thought it was going to be. I'll put it that way. Just watching Vince – anytime you watch Vince get the crap beat out of him, it's fun, you know, because he's a, he's a good uh, – He's a good worker in that respect, and that he knows how to get beat up. So. Oh, he gives it his all, man. Yeah, like he, you talk about a guy who who gives everything and, and sets an example for his employees, dude. When when yeah. it's time for oh, him yeah. to take a butt whooping, he goes out and takes it. Uh, oh yeah, and it is a fitting way to bury this biker character, the big evil character, and it's. It's cool, like you didn't know it at the time. You might have been guessing. You might have been, might have had a hunch because of his hair growing out and because of this tease and because of him being buried that he might be reborn as the old classic dead man. But it's pretty cool what it's building towards is we head to WrestleMania 20, the rebirth of the dead man, the resurrection of the dead man, if you will. And uh, Undertaker's going to go on his little... Uh, winter solstice vacation whatever he likes <laughs> yeah. to go on during this time before Wrestlemania season yeah. but it actually is kind of almost poetic in a sense that it, that it comes to an end like this and also if you will remember the dead man originally ended with Taker and Vince that was his last segment was Taker basically quitting uh, in ah. front of Vince on that random episode of SmackDown and walking away. So Very true. Both of these runs end with a little 
showdown with Vince McMahon and, and Vince McMahon kind of getting the last word. Weird. It's, like, it's kind of weird how that happens that he's with Vince both times. You know, that wasn't like the plan, but it's right. just really neat. It's kind of, like you said, poetic, if you will. So. So, man, as we end this run of the Biker Taker era that spanned uh, about three and a half years of Undertaker's career, yeah. Travis, I mean, what are your initial, like, thoughts and eulogy for this character? What are your memories and, and just highlights off the top of your head? Because I know I kind of asked you at the beginning, but, you know, we said, said, we said when we started this, this was not in our memories our favorite run of The Undertaker, but I think it's definitely surprised right. us with how much we've enjoyed it oh yeah it absolutely has and more so like i mentioned last week more so his television matches have been more enjoyable than these pay-per-view matches in my opinion uh, i've really enjoyed revisiting his run as the hardcore champion uh that was really fun yeah. uh, his match with jeff hardy again is one of the best uh, of his matches ever and then also just the little mini feuds and just seeing what this guy, what Mark Calloway, obviously, he could call his own shots at this point, man. Like, um, and seeing what he did for other young talent, putting over Cena on night one, putting over Matt Hardy, putting over Jeff Hardy for a whole year and a half, you know, like, and just all the little things with Tommy Dreamer and even with like DDP when he first came in, like, you know, even though it didn't work out if like they wanted to, just seeing him give these guys the rub or try to and angle. The rise of Kurt Angle during this time. Uh, just really neat to see him. And it parallels what's happening in 2019 because he's going to be wrestling against Drew McIntyre. And I'm hoping for a fingers crossed singles match between them two at SummerSlam. Um, as I mentioned last week, he has history with him in real life, and I hope that it works out. But just seeing those types of things are really probably my favorite part of all this. So, what about you? Yeah, dude. You, you just pointed out a lot of great stuff. And I think. One of the legacies of this character in people's minds is that this is Taker holding a lot of people down during this time, and we've kind of mentioned that, and we, we felt like that back in the day. We we're reading stuff online, yeah. but that's missing the point. Like if you mm-hmm. actually look back at stuff, he put so many guys over, uh, even if they he even if they didn't necessarily beat him or pin right. him, he put guys like RVD and like you mentioned, yeah. the Hardy Boys. Cena, Angle on the map uh, matches with them. <laughs> and then he had all those randos, random stuff with Tajiri and ROTC and FBI and all those random fun matches. Maven uh, yeah. some of that stuff. Man, there's so many people he interacted with during this time. Chris Nowinski loved talking about that stuff for a couple <laughs> yeah. weeks. Um, and I'll point out too his promos during this time. Mm-hmm. Like especially that heel run Hardcore title run. Oh, yeah. He was an excellent champion. He, he crushed it during that run. Had some of the best promos of his career. It was just awesome to see him get to cut loose after so many years of playing playing to perfection that zombie character, but, mm-hmm. but just getting to be more human, you know, and getting to see him do all that stuff. Obviously, some low lights. You know, we, sure. The invasion, the stuff with Sarah... Any, any of that stuff, and Tracy, A-Train, A-train sure, a lot of, a lot of negative Jones. stuff, and I think that's what was circling our head as we remember this time, but I think yeah. the positive way outweighed the negative during this run. And Oh, for certain. I do think, too, this run did a huge part in extending his career as well, because 
that dead man was getting kind of stale during that time and for him to completely change things up to go in this completely different direction it made us hungry to see the dead man return again Bingo. and it brought about that desire to have him come back and make this next 15 year and counting extension uh, to his career as well just think about where Brock Lesnar would have been without The Undertaker, you know? Seriously. Yeah, you're right, man. You're right. Like he was, he had to go against Taker to get to get to that next level. Even though he beat Rock to win the title, he had to go to Taker to be a big one. solidified, you know, because Austin was gone and everything. So anyway, but yeah, good stuff. I'm gonna, uh, I definitely will miss miss it, uh, miss some of the interactions, but. I'm excited to get a dead man back, that's for sure, because the next episode, episode 100, is a very special one to you and I, so we'll get uh, there. Before we get there, a couple more things I want to talk about. Just some quick stats and figures from this run. I think I mentioned this during the, the dead man, into the dead man run as well, but we had yeah. 34 matches during this run. Uh, that's not including the Royal Rumbles that we covered, uh, sort of pay-per-view matches, 34 pay-per-view matches. Uh, and that also includes the Chris Benoit uh, UK pay-per-view match we did not do an episode for. But Undertaker had a record of 20 wins, 12 losses, and two no contests during that run. Uh, it gave him a 58% or so winning record. And of those 34 matches, Taker was in the main event of a pay-per-view 15 times. So 44% of the time, almost half the time. During these three and a half years, Undertaker was in the main event. So, pretty good. <laughs> yeah. And I think most of that was in 02 as well. Yeah. During the title run. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and Taker had, speaking of title runs, he had six different title runs during the span of his career. Held the WWE title once, the Hardcore title once, very memorably, the WCW tag title once, and that was with mm-hmm. Kane, and then the WWE tag titles three times, uh, twice with The Rock, or twice with Kane, and once for one day with The Rock, uh, back in 2000. <laughs> Spent a total yep. of 212 days as champion during this run across those various reigns. So, pretty impressive right there. And uh, just I was trying to think of stuff we might have missed during this run, Travis. One of the, I'm sure there's lots of stuff we missed and i'd love for our listeners to hit us up with that um we didn't talk too much about the dvd that came out during this time uh, we mentioned it a little bit some clips of it from the back when we covered the debut of the biker taker character this yeah this is my yard dvd um and there's a lot of clips of that on youtube you can, uh, daily motion you can find that talking about the first year or so of this run but Another interview uh, I don't think we mentioned, uh, maybe we did and I just forgot, was uh, something that pops up on YouTube a lot. This interview from this Canadian show called Off the Record with Michael Landsberg that Taker did from right before WrestleMania X8. That's, uh, had you ever seen this before? I have watched it on YouTube before. I've watched that. In fact, I've watched almost all of them, but him, Triple H, Ric Flair, Chris Jericho, I watched a lot of the guys interview. For those of you who don't know, Michael Landsberg is the host of uh, on TSN, which is the ESPN up in Canada. So uh, he interviewed a lot of people all the time up there and was a wrestling fan, I guess. And yeah, like I said, I've watched almost all these interviews from WrestleMania X8, but I've seen this one. But yeah, let's talk about some of the highlights from that. Yeah, just real quick. It's worth checking out if you're, of course, an Undertaker fan. And he's billed actually as Mark Calloway 
in this, and they make a point of saying this is an out-of-character interview and talk about a lot of fun stuff. Again, this is from March 2002, so they talk about the transition to the biker run, uh, Taker being a locker room leader, uh, dealing with the NWO as they're coming into the locker room and their reputation. Uh, They talk about Hell in a Cell, what was and wasn't supposed to happen in that match. They talk about some of Taker's tattoos and the meaning behind some of them and Talk about Taker mentions, yeah, you never know. I could get back in that hearse and drive that hearse again one day, uh, which is very fitting here. Yeah. And then I think the most memorable part of the interview, which seen, you've seen some people post on social media in the past few weeks, is Undertaker talking about retiring. And Landsberg asks him if he's considering retiring after this WrestleMania. And Taker says, yeah, you know, I, I was actually considering retiring. I've had a bunch of injuries lately, but... You know, I, I think I, I think I can still go. I think I can still contribute. And he gives kind of a kind of a sad quote about not wanting to be the guy that's in there past his prime, and a kid being out in the crowd watching him in the ring, and the dad having to say, "Man, you, you would have loved to see this guy when he could still go." So he wanted to get out of the ring before that happened. And you know, you, some people could make the case that that, that that that's what's happening these days. I don't know. Uh, we're we're still gonna mark out for him whenever he wants to compete, and yep, it's it's his choice. However, he wants to get in the ring, he's earned that. And uh, if he's having fun in there, and then uh, he's welcome to continue on doing it. And we're still hopeful that he can pull out some good matches, even though the last few have not not been pretty. But um, I'm still hopeful he can pull out one last or a couple few last great matches. Yeah, I'm excited for him and. McIntyre, hopefully, I think they'll pull something good together. So we'll see. They can have a singles match, but yeah, good stuff there. Really good stuff. So I encourage anyone to check out all those interviews with Michael Landsberg. He's a dork chop and a half, but yeah. I do like these interviews. So they're fun to watch, and this is gonna be fun too, man. What better way to close it out than by closing out this run, revisiting, going through it? Thirty-four matches. You and I picked our top ten pay-per-view matches of this run and we're doing pay-per-views because you know that's our original gimmick of this show we cover a lot more of the tv than we did when we beginning and dude there were some great non-pay-per-view matches during this run and honestly they would have they would have taken up probably half the spots in my top 10 if we were doing oh yeah some what are you what are some of your off top of your head some of the best non-pay-per-view matches before we get into the top 10 pay-per-view ones uh, that one we just covered with um, him and uh, Angle. Yes. Uh, that one that was, was awesome. fantastic. Um, I really liked. Well, obviously the Jeff Hardy one was another yeah. one that stands out. You know, he and he and RVD had another one on Raw back during that time. Oh that yeah, was really, really That's fantastic one I was too. Mention, for sure. Yeah, those are really good ones. So I appreciated those. We had some good ones with Austin during this time yeah. too. Uh, we've always said his. TV matches with Austin were better than the pay-per-view ones. Yeah. So there were some yeah. good ones during this time that the crowd was into. So definitely worth going back to some of these old Raws and SmackDowns and, and finding some of those. But uh, let's run through our top ten pay-per-views. Uh, do what we did last time and just go back and forth one match at a time. That sounds good. I think I started first uh, last time, so you can start first All this right. time. I will. I will. And uh Man, I, I may be throwing a curveball with you here on this first one. I don't know if this one made your list, but we were talking beforehand. It, it was tough to get like the the tenth match on our list. We we both were saying, you know, we could come up with the top five pretty quickly. You know, maybe not the order, but we knew what the right. five best were. But 
kind of kind of slim pickings as far as a tent like you, that you want to really put into that top ten. <laughs> exactly. Slot. But here we go, man. I, I would not have guessed this at the beginning. My ten uh, tenth match on my list is Taker versus Big Show from No Way Out 2003. I really enjoyed that match so much more than I thought I would. I liked the psychology of it. This is the one where Taker really was doing the MMA stuff and busted out the arm bar in there. And it just, that match surprised me uh, by how much I enjoyed it. So I, I slotted it in there at number 10. Wow. Well, I did not see that coming. Yeah, <laughs> you took me by surprise. You You're right. So. But um, I, uh, is that yeah. the one where he pulls out the Hell's Gate for the yeah, first time? That's the, the first time choke? he yeah, really does that. Right. And big sh- it's really, I thought it was really good storytelling. It was. You it know? was. Simple, basic, but entertaining. Yeah. Some of these matches I'm going to have on here are good because of the storytelling. You know? They may not be the best matches themselves, but the storytelling is, is what kind of gets them on here. But yeah, like you said, trying to round out my like numbers eight, nine, and 10 were kind of tough. You know, the like, first five kind of came to me. and uh but this is the one i'm going to choose at number 10 i kind of had to take myself back to to the years that these matches happened to and think about my excitement for them back then also my excitement for now going back through and and really revisiting them uh and just looking at them in as a snapshot of where they were in history though but so my number 10 is going to be another surprise probably this is the uh winner take all team WWF for team alliance from survivor series 2001 all right uh, episode 80 so I made it on there um, just because of maybe the end of the alliance, uh, maybe just how much talent was in there, and it just it was just a fun match. It was just fun, even though Taker wasn't involved in the final finish of it. It was basically a, you know, came down to those four WWF guys, but it was just a fun match overall. And like I said, he kind of put the the kibosh on the alliance. So. It did, man. It, it was that's a great match and. Very fun. We did a watch along for it. If you guys yeah. want to go back there and listen to that, we had a lot of fun talking about that one. I respect that pick. Uh, uh, good, solid choice. Number nine for me, uh, I mentioned Taker and Stone Cold had much better TV matches, but I did choose one of their pay-per-view matches. That they had a few during this run, but I picked Judgment Day 2001. Undertaker versus Stone Cold, just going back and, and going through the list of these matches. Uh, I liked, I remember the crowd being so hot for this match. It's got a crappy mm-hmm. finish, uh, I think, but this is where I think they peaked. I think this is their best uh, pay-per-view match between these two. The storytelling, the intensity, both guys uh, really brought it right here. And this was probably the peak for me of Stone Cold's heel run. Like I thought he was actually at his about the best he ever did as a heel uh, in this spot. Because then, then after this, we go off into a cliff of the Alliance stuff. So <laughs> that was my number yeah. nine, Judgment Day 01. That's respectable. I see that. You know, I think I've just been so burnt on their pay-per-view match, I didn't even consider that one because he doesn't show up on my – that does not show up on mine. So. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, I, I, I see that. I, I did look at that one, so I see that. Well, well my number nine is going to be from our episode 67. This is Survivor Series 2000. Yeah. Taker versus okay. Kurt Angle. Okay. Um, but the reason I put this on there is because I went back and was looking at my notes and reading it, and it, because it reminded me of those 1997 matches. It reminded me of him versus Brett, him versus Sean, just the way they wrestled. And again, and Kurt Angle is still green here. I mean, he'd already been, uh, well, he was the, he was already the champion, right? Uh, Kurt Angle was the champion. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he won it the month yeah. before. 
That's right. This is his first event, but like, see, he's still green here, and this has the cool ending with Eric Engel. The first time we see that, so it just, um, I don't know, it just because it reminded me of the '97 matches and how good those were. Um, I just, I put it down as my number nine. So, absolutely, man. It, that is going to make my list here in a little while. So I enjoyed Ooh. that match quite a bit. These guys had incredible chemistry. It got, it got <laughs> better every time they wrestled. Yes. Uh, and we're going to get to see some more of it here in the future, but. Uh, my number eight is going back to your number ten. I put that Survivor Series oh. match in there. I had it a little bit higher, honestly. I thought it was a great match, but I moved it back down because Taker is in it so little. Sure. You know, he's one of the first couple guys eliminated in it, so yeah. it's not. It was hard to count it as a great Taker match. Um, I didn't include any Royal Rumbles in Me there neither, either, for that just because yeah, yeah, they're not really about him. But I felt like this one is enough. He's in it enough, and it is a good. I mean, such a good match. Uh, I had yeah. to put it in the top ten in some place, so it is my number eight. Well, respectable. Yeah, absolutely. Man. So, you know, my my number eight, so episode ninety six, Vengeance two thousand three, Taker versus John Cena. Mm. Um, just a coming out party for Cena, and I just I cannot put over the psychology of this match enough. I was really I remember during our during our episode talking about how they tore the uh, the edge off the barricade, the, the padding off there worked on the midsection. Taker's coughing up blood. Just the constant psychology was fantastic to me. I really liked that, so I, I enjoyed it a lot. So that's my number eight. I did too. Um, it's actually not on my list. I didn't put Taker and Cena on oh, my list, man. I'm surprised. I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it more watching it back than I originally did. Um, but I don't know. I just didn't didn't click with me on the top ten level, which is you know some people might find crazy that I put a Big Show match on there instead of that. Uh, well, and I thought you would have this one on because of the story about you and your girlfriend at the time too. That's probably some crack there. So. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Uh, number seven for me gonna be the first appearance of Brock Lesnar on my top ten. Going with the Unforgiven 2002 match between those guys go. at number seven. Um, again, you know, it's kind of the story of a lot of these matches. It doesn't have a great finish to it. It's a no contest, but you do have that big spot at the end where Taker throws him through the set. But yeah, man, you you were right last week. Two out of three times these guys killed it, and uh, the first match was an awesome setup for the second match that uh, we pointed out was reminiscent of the. Shawn Michaels Undertaker series from a few mm-hmm. years before that as well. So that's my number seven. Unforgiven oh, yeah. 2 We'll see that coming up soon on mine too. I love that. Yeah, just the, the echo and how it echoes that ground zero match between Shawn and Taker was, was excellent. So I love that. Well, my number seven it could be a curveball. It's uh, The Invasion, inaugural brawl. Wow. Um, <laughs> episode 76. Um, and because of the nostalgia of it, I think, because of – just cause, again – Put yourself in me in 2001. I was there when the invasion was born, you know. Like so, I was extra hyped for it, um, especially for this this particular pay per view. Again, we all know after this it goes downhill. But um, the inaugural brawl, I was a really big fan of it. Taker has a very prominent role, you know, as one of the leaders there of the team. And I just, I just, I just really, really, this whole pay per view, I love from top to bottom. It's fun. Um, we talked about it. But, uh, yeah, it's just, I think for more nostalgia purposes, it's up there on my number seven. I couldn't get away with top ten and not put it on there. And so wow. it may be a little higher. If I went back and redid it, it might be a little higher. But I definitely, um, at the wow. time I wrote this, that's it. Might so. be higher. I mean lower. I'm sorry, lower. Oh, higher okay. on my screen, lower. on. Yeah. Gotcha. So, yeah. 
Man, I'm I'm shocked at that one. I did not see that one coming into place. Well, I knew you would. Didn't be. make my list. No, it's not. Yeah. In there I didn't for think me. it would make your list. <laughs> I understand what you're saying though. Uh, it is a fun match. It is a fun match. Again, Taker doesn't play into the finish of that one, or he kind of screws his team yeah. over at that one. Yeah. But interesting. And again, these bottom four were hard to pick. Like what goes out. Like from this on, it's really these top six were pretty easy for me. So. Yes, they're easy for me in that they made the list, but it was tough for me to maneuver them around my list. So, number six for me, some people are going to say this is too low, but I'm putting versus Triple H, WrestleMania X7 as my number six match. It was very good, but it did not cross the threshold of great for me, which I think the next five did, it was just a just a notch below uh, some little nitpicky things like the ref being unconscious for ten minutes and just yeah, you know, I was asleep for a long time. It's kind of it's all over the place, but it's fun. It's a great match. It's, it's I think it's Undertaker's first really really good WrestleMania match. Um, yeah, I've got his first great WrestleMania match coming up shortly. Yeah. Well, very good. Very respectable there. I can't fault you for that. It's definitely in my top six as well. So my number six here is episode 91. It's going to be Unforgiven 02. Like you said, Taker versus Brock for the title. Um, we've already covered that with yours. So mine's mine's right there at number six. Yeah, so. we just flip-flop spots right there. Yeah. Uh, number five for me is one you already mentioned as well. Uh, I put it a good bit higher versus Kurt Angle, Survivor Series 2000. Uh, just again, that one kind of caught me off guard by how yeah. good it was, despite Undertaker's pants. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Godfather's pants. <laughs> yeah. uh, jo- enjoyed it quite a bit and uh, made my top five. There you go. Well, rounding out my top five here is uh, from episode 81. This is Vengeance 2001, the WWF hardcore title, uh, Undertaker versus RVD. Just fun all around. RVD shown like a star. Got put uh, just again, all these guys get put on the map with these Taker matches, and it's just really fun. You could tell Taker was having fun in there with, with RVD, and just the beginning of that hardcore title uh, run is just really, really fun. So, absolutely, loved it. star making performance for RVD. Five right star. There. Oh, I would say so. <laughs> Number four for me is a three way, three way triple threat match from Vengeance 2002 with The Rock and. Kurt Angle, man. Kurt Angle had so much chemistry with him. I could watch these guys fight forever. Yeah. Uh, that match was so much fun with them stealing each other's finishers and um, just a great crowd. It's the end of Taker's title run. And um, it's, I loved it. I loved every second of that match. And uh, could have been higher, but uh, these these top four, it's, it's tough. You could rearrange them, and yeah. any of them could be uh, in the top spot any day of the week. Yeah. Well, my number four is a retweet you got here, man. Vengeance so too, the, the <laughs> okay. triple threat. Yeah. The best three-way, up up to this point, the best three-way match in WWE, in my opinion. I uh, agree. Yep. Hadn't seen a better one up to this point. There's been some that surpassed it to this day, but this is really the start of that. Really good three-way, all those finishers to big spots, like you said. So, yeah, same one. It's funny how we, we landed number four is the all same. Right. So. Well, Let's see where our top three is. Uh, we're we're going to have some similar ones, but... My yeah. three is one you just mentioned. I got a little bit higher versus Rob Van Dam at mm-hmm. Vengeance 2001. I liked it beforehand. I loved it watching it back. It felt like nothing else on WWE. It felt like it could have been in ECW, the original mm-hmm. ECW. Uh, so many great spots and moments in that match. I 
I debated putting it at number one at certain points as I was thinking about this list. I enjoyed it so much, but Dang. couldn't couldn't bump these next two out of yeah. the, uh, the top spots. But I, I definitely I thought about it. No, I dig it, man. I get it. So, uh, well, my number three, episode seventy one, WrestleMania X seven, like you just said, Taker and Triple H. I think this is up to this point the best Taker match, the best biker Taker match. Like you said, his his um, it's the best WrestleMania of all time. It's the best. His best match at WrestleMania at the time. Uh, I, and again, I had to think these top three. I had to put myself back and say when I when I look back at the Biker Taker era, what matches stand out immediately? Which ones come to mind right now? Without me having to gone on, you know, gone with a fine tooth comb. And my top three are the top three that, that stand out to me the most. And so that one's it was hard to flip, pick number two and three. I had to could have flip flopped them either way, but this one was my number three. So him versus Triple H, like you've already covered, this great match. But yeah, it does have some like a sleepy ref and stuff going back to it. But I just think about for the time in 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 a, in a snapshot, it was a great match. So that's a good way to think about it. I like that. That's a good way to to narrow this all down. And uh, that one, when you think about it that way, it's it's one of the most important matches of that run. I think you're absolutely yeah. right. All right, dude. I think it's not going to be a surprise what our top two is, but it'll be interesting to see if we have them in the same order here. Uh, course number two for me, it's it's a tie between Taker's last two SummerSlam matches with A-Train and Test. I just couldn't pick between <laughs> which one of those Time I enjoyed more. <laughs> <laughs> no, in all seriousness, my number two, this was a very tough choice between these two. Basically a coin flip. But I'm going to go with... WrestleMania X8 versus Ric Flair as my number two match of the Biker Taker era. One of just the biggest unexpected awesome matches of all time. Lowest of expectations. Highest of responses and rewards there. Incredible storytelling. Put Ric Flair back on the map uh, after... Mm -hmm you know, really a few years of not doing anything significant in WCW. I mean, honestly, and just brought new life to his career for the next few years. Um, And truly, Taker's, in my opinion, his first great WrestleMania match. Yeah. Yeah, man, my number two is that same one. Which means our number two and one are probably going to be the same. But, uh, yeah, again, I think watching it live, you and I watched it together, watching it, you know, not live in person, but, you know, on pay-per-view, uh, watching Flair's confidence get boosted as the match goes, and then the spine buster, oh. the greatest spine buster yeah. of all time. I mean, the best spine buster you are ever going to see. Talk about RKO out of nowhere, spine buster out of nowhere. So, um, yeah, this match is number two and just so good. So good. So, number one is... Coming in like a crash of rhinos. X9. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Nathan Jones, I mean, what a specimen. You know, he just came in there. Of course not. It's got to be No Mercy 2002. Both of our number ones for both eras are Hell in a Cell matches. How crazy. Undertaker and Brock Lesnar. It just provides the perfect framework for the Undertaker, perfect canvas for him to paint a masterpiece, apparently, and the bloodiest of masterpieces. <laughs> Man, it I remembered loving it, and it lived up to it, more than lived up to it, watching it back. The, not just the blood, the uh, the storytelling, and Heyman on the outside, uh, doing yes. his thing, 
the just the storytelling of the young guy just not being able or the old guy not being able to finish off the younger uh, guy and just awesome job from top to bottom from both these guys they gave their all yep this is when I think of the Undertaker uh, is original run I think of Hell in a Cell Shawn Michaels when I think of this run I think of Brock Lesnar Hell in a Cell no more this these are the matches to me that define these eras. Um, you're not going to find one that, that defines him better. And like I said, this is the match I think about with him. So much blood. Put over Brock as a monster. Heyman's work was second to none. It's just fantastic. Even uh, I hated the whole broken hand thing going into it, but um, but even that plays a great part in it. But and just it's just great, yeah. not just for the blood, but for the storytelling. Take the blood out. It's still a great story, man. I just I love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. So. Well, there you have it, folks. Put it on the tombstone right there. The number one match of the biker-taker era is Undertaker versus Brock Lesnar. Hell in a Cell, No Mercy 2002, in our opinion, as the two men who have studied his career perhaps more in-depth than anyone. But (laughs) don't take it from us. We want to hear from you. We're going to put a poll up, much like we did last time, and we'll put all 34 of these matches up and let you guys vote Pick 10 matches, pick the 10 you love the most, the 10 you associate with this era the most. We'll tally them up and do a fans vote next week, see how well you match up with us. And uh, we'll put a poll up so you can vote on our top 10s to see who had it right as well. Uh, We had a couple matches that did not cross over on each other's list, but mostly a lot of the same matches, just in different rankings. So uh, be interested to see who can have bragging rights next week. Yeah. and we just want to hear from you. Let's let's reminisce. Let's share some memories about this run. Favorite moments and matches and promos. Post them on our social media at Talking Taker, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Leave a comment and rating on the different podcast services, uh, and join us as we keep rolling, rolling, rolling on through the last ride and start reading through the next chapter of the Undertaker's historic career. What great timing, man. Episode 100, we're going to turn the page on to a famous, important, historic match at WrestleMania 20 as the dead man is resurrected against Kane. And what a perfect way for us to celebrate one of the most important moments of our time watching wrestling and of our friendship because we were there. Just like Travis asks every week, we want to hear from people who were there. We were there at WrestleMania (laughs) 20. We've been excited to share our story, so we're going to do that. And even better, we're going to be in person. We're going to join up and meet up this weekend and record in person for this very special episode. So I can't wait to see you, buddy. Uh, See you in person and talk taker across the table from you. We'll share that road trip and uh, that or, or plane trip to New York. How the, we got there. All the <laughs> memories and moments. <laughs> and, of course, how Taker got there as well and the match and the pay-per-view and all that good stuff. It's going to be a great one. We hope you will check that one out. And 2004 is going to be crazy, man. We've got some wild matches. we got the likes of Booker I T. Hyden Reich. Hyden He's looming. (laughs) JBL, Eddie Guerrero, Uh, uh, Paul Bearer's coming back into the picture. Oh, yeah. Also, uh, the Concrete Crypt and the Dudley Boys are coming for us to talk about. It's going to be fun as we go into 2004. So join us with, uh, join along with us if you please. Um, 
want to read out a couple social media comments from you guys out there. Just some comments about this match and the end of this run. Uh, our boy Randy Turco, of course, spoke up about those rumors about Taker coming back as the dead man during this time, especially with his hair growing back. That was the common rumor online. Uh, at Mamba Lewis said that uh, it's unfortunate that 16 years later we've still never seen the biker gimmick make a return or even really a mention of it, which I do think it's pretty surprising that he hasn't dug it back out uh, for yeah. one appearance. Lots of rumors from last year's WrestleMania that that would happen, but it did not yeah. happen. Um, Evan John 97 on Twitter pointing out this was the last time we saw him don that gimmick, and still except he was buried alive by Kane. Of course, we just talked about all that at Wrestling Sane Ma. I don't know if it was during this match or what, but she said, I loved when Taker told off that fan who said boring, and Taker responded, Your mom's a boring bleep. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't catch that. I don't know if it was this match or what. but uh, I thought that was before. It might have been another before. match, but uh, it could have been this one. I don't know. Uh, funny. Um, and I wanted to point out, as I pull it up here... Someone on our left a comment on our YouTube channel, which uh, we do Ooh. get some comments on there, and we get some uh, some good viewership for uh, a lot of these YouTube videos, which is fun. So don't forget that, folks. If you want to listen or join the show that way, uh, we are on YouTube, Spotify, Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, all that stuff. But Adam Davies said he was watching these podcasts. They're coming thick and fast every week now. You guys should get to August uh, to 2005 by August or September. So I guess he's looking forward to 2005 for some reason. But <laughs> I don't know why. I don't well, know why. Muhammad Hassan. We're going to come thick and fast for you, Adam. <laughs> Terrorists and infidels. <laughs> Just like uh, Vince McMahon, uh, some stuff came out of him thick and fast for this episode. <laughs> and uh, finally, I <sighs> want to give thanks to the Bottom Line Wrestling Cast. You guys know them. We shout them out a lot on this show. They are our brother podcast going through Stone Cold Steve Austin's career. And much the same way we are going through The Undertaker's career, they had uh, me as a guest on this week's episode. They did a watch-along for Capital Carnage 98, that fatal four-way with Undertaker, which made my top ten last time. And also the Buried Alive match with Stone Cold from 98. So good timing there. Thanks for those guys. For having me on to plug their show you can find them on all the podcast places go follow them go check out that episode and watch along those two uh one's really fun and one is so bad it's fun so uh <laughs> thanks guys we'll have to return the favor somehow we're done with stone cold maybe we'll do a retro watch along or something and uh, have those guys on and return the favor but uh it was really fun appreciate mike and jv inviting me on to come on and, and plug our big uh, 99th and 100th episodes man can't believe it 100 almost two years of our lives travis <laughs> i was telling my wife that he was getting back in the ring and wrestling and she was like i was telling her we're gonna record episode 100 she's like i mean how many more do you got to go <laughs> like, <laughs> you have no idea know, <laughs> we have no idea he keeps wrestling <laughs> we only have 15 more years of his career to get through <laughs> yeah, we're not even halfway exactly. through his years yet oh my <laughs> no, god no it's crazy but they'll get a lot more sparing. Yes, you know, they will. His, his 
and less to cover between some of them. But anyway, but uh, oh yeah, and shout out to Jay Bags, Jaron Bagley. We um, we're, Alex and I are getting together this weekend, so we will have all your stuff, your special surprise, and everything for you. And we'll get it out to you soon, buddy. Don't you worry. We have not forgotten. We just taking some time to get some unique things ready for you. So just for you and what you did for us. So we appreciate that. So. And if you were there at the American Airlines Center here in Dallas, Texas, to see uh, Stone Cold right off in the sunset uh, again, don't worry, he'll be back very shortly. <laughs> and uh, if you were there, if you were there to see a dead man get buried alive, uh, let us know what you think. Let us know what you thought, how it was, and let us know what you thought about our top ten. Like Alex said, we're going to put that back a chain on the poll, let you guys <laughs> vote, and see who wins the battle of the top ten. So anyway, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for 99 episodes. Taker had 99 problems, but if Vince ain't one, even though he put him down for the final count. But anyway, we will see you next week on episode 100. Take her easy. What kind of book is this? You show me this book, huh? You show me this book. I'm oh, sorry. my God, on my mind. I did mean for you to see that. I'm sorry. Look, I know that... Deep down in my soul, I know I'm protected by higher power. I know that. But last night I had this nightmare. I was dead. Yet my brain was alive. And it's like I'd been buried and, and, and I first heard these knowing-like sounds. And I realized it was the maggots. I realized the maggots were eating my flesh, trying to enter my body. And they all came rushing up to my head and poured through my eye sockets. And and they ate my eyeballs. And then I tried not to with all of my might, but I swallowed. I'll gaggle with these damn maggots. And they... Then went down to my abdomen and began to eat my insides. And finally, I was able to excrete them and I rid them from my body. But the stench was overbearing. It was horrible. And then I realized I I couldn't move. I, I just laid there in that stench. And then the maggots began to eat that fetid feces and as soon as they did that, they started crawling back up toward my head. They poured right through my eye sockets again. And the process went over and over and, and on and on again. Oh, God. And then finally, I, I awakened in, the, in a start and realized it was just a dream. That's all it was. It was just a nightmare. But then the, there was that stench. And, and then when I was in bed, I looked down and I had soiled myself. I don't know what this means. I don't know what it means. <laughs>